Welcome everyone. In this episode of Why Yoga on the Rocks, I'm Colin and today I'm gonna host this episode instead of Matt. So Matt, it will still be there with us to talk about career change and how to reinvent yourself and to be with us also today. Gilles is sitting on the rocks. So welcome Gilles. Hello. Welcome Matt. Hello. And thank you for coming and sharing your stories with us. Thank you for having us. As I was preparing for this podcast, I went through this the story of Alice in Wonderland and I found that a good way to start that as in her adventures, she's um, meeting a caterpillar, which is, as everybody knows, or everybody can guess, a good symbol of changes through life. And as she meets this caterpillar, she expressed to him that she's been through a lot of changes recently and and she's a little bit confused. And the first question that the caterpillar asks her is, who are you? And her answer to that is precisely, well, I don't, I don't know anymore who I am because I've been through all those changes. The only thing that I know is who I was this morning when I woke up. And then that's going to be my first question to the both of you. Is like, can you, in a nutshell, explain us who you were this morning when you woke up and potentially explain how yoga found you at the same time? Um, who was I this morning? I was a great yogi this morning. I woke up before the alarm went off. I had a great practice. I also did some pranayama, which is new for me at home on my own. And then I did a concentration exercise without the app. So I'm feeling very great. So this morning I felt like I was beginning to be a yogi. I probably was also excited about coming here and talking to you guys. How did yoga find me? Yoga found me eons ago in what feels like another lifetime when I was living in Luxembourg. And for me, like many people, two crises were in conjunction and the methods and beliefs that I had weren't able to deal with them. So the first one was death. Um, death brings a lot of people to yoga. My mom died and she died just uh, three weeks before our daughter was born. So that cycle of samsara, death followed by birth, was a little bit, um, it was a lot to take in and to experience at one time. Mm. And at the same time, this was connected with a crisis of faith. So I had been excluded from the religion in which I grew up in and the one that my mother had converted to. And she died without without us ever coming to some kind of agreement or understanding between each other about our two positions. And I felt a lot of regret about that um, for her and for me. So all of that emotional turmoil, all of that, you know, questioning faith and so on led me to a place where I had to seek something else to be able to just get through every day. Mm. So that's how yoga found me. Thank you. Um, I was a little bit nervous this morning when I woke up. I woke up at six, like, 
seeing daylight thinking it was already time and it wasn't so then i i spent a bit more time in bed tossing and turning until i eventually got up and went about my day um i was excited to come here to do to do this a little bit nervous i guess that's who i was this morning <laughs> So yoga found me when I was studying dance. We had it as a warm-up, like we had also Pilates, like we had different kinds of gyrotonics, um, different kinds of techniques. Yoga was one of them to teach us how we could treat our body, warm up our body and get it ready for what we needed to do, which was dance. Since we invited you to talk about career change and uh, professional changes in life, maybe you can both... Give us a little bit of your background and um, what you've done so far. So maybe I'm going to start with Jill so you can keep talking. So my background, as I just said, comes from dance and performing arts. So I, I studied dance in England and then here in Brussels. And then I performed since then <laughs> until now. I still do, but I try not to. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little bit my background and that's where I come from. Okay, Matt. So my first job in London was um, as a television assistant, um, producer. So I used to write and help produce cheap television shows. <laughs> and that's another story. I, then I was a banker and um, investment fund accountant in Luxembourg followed by being the secretary general of an economics think tank so that's a, that's a policy research center here in brussels so three completely different careers Indeed. and the third one ended um in october 2019 and and now who knows who knows well i'm i am registered as an independent uh, self-employed consultant to the sector in which I used to work. But at the moment, I don't actually have any clients. But I have had. You have had. And you help us to produce that podcast. So it's, in a way, that's also This, an occupation. Yeah, it's certainly an occupation. And maybe, maybe it might be a career in the future. Let's see. We'll see. So thank you for sharing. So basically, both of you are going through change. You quit your job or you end your job. And, and Giloso is trying to change, as you said it yourself. You're trying to dance less and less or to perform less and less. Mm -hmm. So before going through those changes, maybe we can come take a few steps back. What were you, your dreams? Or were you dreaming about being a dancer when you were a kid? And if not, maybe what was your dream? And what have you done to try to achieve that? As a kid, I wanted to be a, a surgeon. I was uh, always obsessed with the body and the anatomy. And this was an obsession that stayed with me until I was about, uh, yeah, nine. Because then Jurassic Park came out and it, 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 it became an even bigger obsession, the dinosaurs. I would spend hours and hours and days on end, really, just running around in the garden, be it alone or with friends, uh, pretending to be chased by Tyrannosaurus rex or Velociraptors or, or whatever. And I loved it. I loved it. So I I decided that this is what I want to do. <laughs> Become a paleontologist. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because this was dead. I, I needed it to be alive. I wanted to be able to make the imaginary real. So when I was 14, I, I went to theater school. 
until I was 18, which is also where I discovered dance, which somehow makes these two f fit very well into what I wanted to do, which is one, make the imaginary real, and two, the, the obsession with the body and the anatomy. And this is how I got into dance. Well, which is interesting also to see the connection, still being a surgeon, working with bodies, but more fixing it to using your own body to do other things. Exactly. And maybe, Matt, you can tell us what were your childhood dreams and potentially what you've done to achieve that, knowing that you started your career as a showrunner, or I don't know how you, what is exactly what's your position, an assistant in? Yeah, I was a runner. Well done, yeah. When I was young, I wanted to be an actor in the musical theater. So not so far from where Gilles ended up, mm. um, except because you have to sing and dance and act. And I ended up at 16 um, doing the final part of my, of my school career at a school that offered a foundation course in drama and theater arts. And there we learned contemporary dance. We learned Shakespeare. We learned to sing. We had makeup lessons. It was actually really cool. Mm -hmm. But it was also there after those two years that I realized that I was never going to be good enough to make any money out of it. <laughs> it was in a uh, industrial city in the north of England. And if you're not in the top of the class, then there's no way you're going to make it. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to be realistic and go, okay, so I got to think of something else. <laughs> in my experience, it's completely the opposite. It's usually the ones that are, are had a harder time in school that became the best performers or the best and the longest stayed into that career. Yeah. Two people made it from, like, from, from my course. Two people made it and had long careers in... Oh, Maggie Smith and... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am that old. Uh, <laughs> Judy Dench. Yeah, I went. Oh, to <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> uh, no, they had long careers in, you know, in soap opera uh, for one of them, uh, and the other one as a character actor because of his size and his accent, basically. And they, he was a good actor too. My education was interrupted by being a missionary for two years which we may or may not talk about <laughs> later. That's another career, maybe another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a career. Um, so then when I came back from being a missionary, I uh, decided that I wanted to be a journalist. And again, um, during my undergraduate studies, I realized that I was not going to be a good journalist because basically I, I couldn't be objective enough to write a good two-sided story because my sense of injustice was just uncontrolled. So at the end of that, I decided, okay, I, I can move into television where, where you can be, where you can be more emotional. <laughs> How did you move to the TV, TV shows being a showrunner? Um, nepotism. Nepotism. <laughs> uh, where your relatives help you get a job. My father and mother are divorced and my father remarried and I have a brother who is 18 years younger than me. Um, and when I was a student, he was a little boy and I would go play piano at his primary school every Wednesday because they didn't have a piano um, player in the school. 
And one of the other mothers there was friendly with my stepmother and um, said, hey, we're looking for a runner on our production. And I know that your um, that your boy has just um, finished. Does he want to work in TV? And the answer was, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Maybe then hearing you, I guess you're not going to be the best person to ask that, but... My parents, uh, I come from a generation from whom the parents had only almost one job in their life. So they mm. got the job they had and they kept it until they, they retired. Do you think we are meant to have only one profession? We really have one goal and that it is our dharma to, to reach that? Or do you think like we, we are meant to have several professions throughout life? I'm, I'm assuming the answer that I'm going to get from both of you, but I'm still asking the question. I think that's really personal. Um, I think your profession is what you're going to spend your time most doing. So please do something you love. Like if you if you don't love what you do, then change. And do something that you can love. Do we need to do many different things? Well, if you need to love many different things, then do that. If, you, if you're happy with the one thing that you do and, and, and spend your lifetime devoted to that, then that's the... That's great. I'm not sure what's meant to be, but certainly what is happening in today's career world is that people do change jobs much more often. And the economy was more static in post-war period. And so whether it's meant to be or not, I think the what is happening in, in, in the career space is that people are having different careers, different jobs, or at least moving from different to different companies. And so it is a phenomenon that is going to affect us all. To come back so to career change, and, and Gilles, you talked a little bit about it in your answer that you need to love the job that you're doing and otherwise just change. So most of the time when we're seeking for changes, and that's um, that's then I can share a little bit of my own story. So I used to be an architect. I study architecture, and I think ultimately I, part of me still believe that my dharma or my my profession, my ultimate career would be being an architect, even though today I changed. And throughout my life, I felt at some point that I, I've reached a certain ceiling with what I, would, I could get out of it or the pleasure that I had. At least I felt a strong imbalance in the pleasure that I had practicing as an architect and what I was getting in return. And that pushed me at some point to try to find other, other ways to express myself. So I've did a couple of changes. I went back to architecture and then after that with Roby, we opened the studio here. So in my experience, when we're trying to change career, it's because we reach, we, we, we experience an imbalance at least, whether it's our, the profession that we dream, our dream job or not, there is a moment when we feel uh, that imbalanced. Maybe I can ask you, when you had those career changes, changes in your life. Maybe, Matt, you had a, a little bit more. Gilles, you had one main, which is transitioning for the moment. So did you feel that something when, was not right at some point? If so, how did you feel it? And, um, and how did you knew that it was time for you to change? And maybe we can start with Matt. Yeah, I can only really answer that properly in the context of this final change um, in terms of understanding, you know, was there a lead up to it? What did I feel? 
needed to to change because the previous two times I was obliged to change due to family circumstances. So I followed my uh, I followed my husband's career and I followed him from London to Luxembourg to Brussels. Mm. So there are no more moves for us. Maybe we go back to Luxembourg in five ten years. But this last job, I maybe knew two, three years before I left that things were not right, that I was not happy, that I was not, I was not getting as much out of the career as I was before. I didn't feel the same kind of sense of service. I didn't feel the same satisfaction, but I was afraid. I was afraid of change and I was afraid of insecurity and I was afraid of not being able to say who I am is the secretary general of a think tank, which sounds quite, you know, cool. Yeah. Cool. And it sounds very important. And I was really afraid to, to, to let go of that. And what happened is that the work environment became more poisonous. And when I look back, I kind of, I kind of, said to myself that it was other people that were poisoning the work environment. But if I really analyze that honestly, I was playing a very big part in poisoning my own environment. Mm. And it got so bad that I, you know, I couldn't sleep, didn't eat properly, had digestive problems. It was a total, total textbook case of, of stress. And as so often happens, after not listening, um, after not listening to those subtle signals and going, okay, let me plan a change and, and do it well, I was confronted with a situation where I had to leave mm. and, and left. The situation caused me a lot of suffering, but it caused everybody else a lot of suffering too. And... Um, there's no point being sorry for it, but I've learned a huge lesson. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Maybe we can talk about it <laughs> when we will talk about karma and how our actions come back in a way or another. Maybe Gilles, you can also tell us that. Did you, so did you, how did you feel that it was time to change? And, uh, and first, were you feeling that something was not right? Probably that that's something mm. was not imbalanced. So whatever you might have experienced on that level. And uh, how did you know it was time for you to, to move to something else? Well, I was a performing artist. I was always already teaching. So on the side, like in, in the downtime in between gigs, I, I was teaching Pilates and then little by little started teaching yoga. And I was also using yoga as a, like I said before, as a practice to balance and regulate everything out in this roller coaster of life of a performing artist because I was also and that's that's my that was my choice and I absolutely don't regret it I'll, I'll make the same choice again if I if I would be at the same part but I was choosing performing art career in a way, way that was always um, I was looking for limits and I was always looking to push beyond my own limits be it mostly physically but also mentally psychologically emotionally I was always trying to push beyond my limits which is also it it's taxing it's 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 very demanding and it's it's not really sustainable and i knew that 
And luckily I had done yoga too to balance things out. But after a while, I started realizing that this pushing beyond my own limits and this, um, these, these highs and lows of, of performing arts and, and, you know, this getting standing ovations one day and then not being able to pay rent the other day. And I, at one point I felt like, okay, it's, it's not giving me back as much as I put in and there was that. And then there was also another part, which was, um, I felt like a little bit like you, like I, I touched the ceiling. I, I traveled the world performing in, in theaters, big, small, everything. I did lots of different kind of performances. And one performance in particular at the end, um, or a few years ago, which was 24 hours where I really went through the whole spectrum, I guess, of, of what you could go through as a performer like I, I and in particular also in terms of, of um, a performer audience relationship I, I, I discovered something very unique and, and it somehow enhanced the whole that whole relationship as you go through a journey of 24 hours it was it was quite an extreme performance where for example in one scene we would be like uh, jumping with chains so like rope skipping but with chains for like 20 minutes until again beyond exhaustion and that was just the beginning of the piece and then afterwards it was again lots of different things that are similar where we constantly push it push beyond again beyond our own limits as we were doing that on stage also the audience is pushing beyond their own limits of trying not to sleep um, and getting into this very strange place where they're half awake half asleep and somehow their own masks falls down of like how they think they have to behave in the theater so People become much more raw and real, and it was beautiful. It was a it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. But I felt after that, when I did other shows after that show, I was a bit like, hmm, okay. <laughs> I felt like it, it, it couldn't go further. I couldn't go. Um, yeah, I've, I've reached the limit a little bit. And and okay, I, I don't want to sound. Um, pretentious yeah saying that because I, i'm sure I can, I can i can still go a lot further in dance i can go a lot further in performance there's there's so much more that i i haven't even touched upon but my heart wasn't in it anymore as much and then little by little the the toll of doing what i do became bigger than than what i would get back from it And so does the moment you decided to shift more towards teaching yoga? Yes, towards teaching yoga. Because I, I figured out, I mean, I was always very reluctant of doing that step. I knew I would have to do it eventually already from when I started studying dance. People were asking me, yeah, but what are you going to do afterwards? Because <laughs> you can't do it forever. And yeah, it's true. You cannot dance forever. But I wasn't busy with that. I didn't want to be busy with that. I wanted to do what I do, which was perform. And then eventually... I realized that like I, I couldn't keep doing it. I couldn't. I had to change. And the moment I decided to shift to yoga uh, is the moment that I realized that actually it's not such a big shift. Um, what I love to do is to make performances. I love to uh, create performances, make the imaginary real, take an audience member through a little journey, which they go in one way and they come out another enriched preferably <laughs> and i figured out that actually when i teach class and in particular when i teach a yoga class i kind of do the same thing i'm still creating performances instead of me being the main actor 
uh, now it's, it's actually the student being the main actor. And I'm still taking them through a journey where they come in the class in a particular way and they go out of the class changed, preferably better. <laughs> yeah, I can bear witness to that, Gilles. Mm. I will never forget the time when I went to one of your classes and uh -oh. you and other people at the studio had been working with a couple who were deaf. Do you remember that class? Yes. Um, and so we did a vinyasa class without any oral indications of what we were doing. So basically, Gilles directed the class <laughs> using his, um, well, using his body to give the indications of what we were going to do rather than giving us verbal instructions. It was fascinating, and I have never forgotten it. And it and. I'm not sure what it taught me, but certainly I went home thinking about it. Mm. And I, so yeah, you are still, if I can make a cheap joke, because I like making them, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really much happier that I was part of the uh, nonverbal yoga class than having to watch Gilles do jump rope with chains for 24 <laughs> hours. Um, I think it's great that you're able to take the skills and the thoughtfulness and the creativity from one job and one career and pull it into another. I think that's, I think that's wonderful. And I think that's one of the great things about being able to, being able to move from one career to another. And it sort of tells the other lesson that I draw from this is that um, no matter what job you're doing, whether you're a performer or whether you're a yoga teacher, actually who you are is more about how you do that than the fact that you are a yoga teacher mm. or, or, or a dancer, which I, which I took a long time to learn because for me, having a job, having a career, um, having a title at work helped to define who I was and helped to um, saying, I have to say, yeah. And it helped to, it helped to give me self-confidence and self-worth which I am sure that other people also do feel, you know, they, they, they feel the same way that I, what I do for work as a job somehow defines me in some way. Mm. Yeah, and I think, as you said, I mean, like, it's also at least to answer that, indeed, also being an architect, and having shift, I think it's most interesting when you can take what you've learned before, or at least still keep your personality and take that with you in your, in, your, in your teaching or in what you can share after that. And whether it's being a showrunner, I get you could, you learn something in being a showrunner when you move to the bank and it might have nothing to do, but maybe you learned how to deal with people in a way. And then you could carry that in the bank sector and then in the other one and potentially in your next profession, you've. Yeah. You're going to use everything you've done before. And I think that's, we never completely reinvent ourselves. But if we're smart enough, we can use those different elements and at the end, create something with all that separately. And enrich what you're doing. Yeah, and make the, the experience richer the for the people. Mm. But I think you were both uh, practicing yoga already when you've made those changes. Yes, yeah, yeah. When I quit the think tank, I did have yoga. 
And uh, and Gilles, obviously, when you stopped performing, because I knew you, so I know that you're already having yoga in your life when mm. you've made those changes. So do you do you think that yoga helped you to gain clarity on that, to also help you to eventually initiate the, the movement or the, the, the need of shift? If so, how did that happen and how did it manifest? And maybe we can start with Matt. I turned to yoga again in desperation, as I had in the 1990s when I first started I was so unhappy at work and so unable to to get through the day. I had remembered lots of people talking about how having a personal practice at home on your own, in addition to going to a studio, was the thing that was going to change your life. And so I was so desperate that I actually tried it. And I looked on the internet and I read a number of pieces and basically the best advice was start slow, start small so that it can be sustainable. So my first home practice was um, seven asana, five minutes, mostly shavasana. Um, the best. <laughs> absolutely. And it naturally grew from there. Whatever it gave me, I wanted more. And so, you know, three weeks later, I was doing twice that. And, and, and just a couple of months later, I was downloading you know, 20 minute, 30 minute, 35 minute videos from the internet and, and doing a full practice in the morning. And then I was able to face the world and go out to the job that I had, that had become so poisonous. I was about to play myself, but I would just say that had become so poisonous to me and to everybody else. But, so you, you both mentioned that yoga helped you to go through those difficult times. Did it help you to give you a kick basically to change? It can be the answer can be no, not necessarily. Yeah, no, that no, it's no. Yoga, yoga was a coping mechanism, as Gilles said at the beginning. It was a coping mechanism. It was a crutch, but by using that crutch, by using that coping mechanism, I learned that it could be more, and that you know, and that the balance between the the good and the wonderful things that yoga could bring to one's life, you know, could shift, and so. That's what I learned. I wasn't I wasn't into yoga well enough at the time when I should have changed. Otherwise, I I hope that yoga would have given me a kick, but I wasn't doing it enough, and I wasn't you know I wasn't um, in tune enough to be to to be brave and to take the step to 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 leave and to move on to, and to let go. And in the end, it meant that you know letting go was a process of a year, which. Take some time. Yeah. Gilles, for you too, do you think like yoga was a, was a help, whether initiated anything or ignite anything towards that change? Or is it something that's in parallel a little bit like Matt, you feel that it was a help to support you, but it didn't uh, ignite anything? Mm, it did a bit for me. It clarified my purpose. Taking time to just sit, meditate, um, in the beginning of each practice, taking time to deal with a, a lot of things, which often is, is also just dealing with my own ego. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part, probably. Yeah, and let it, letting go of all of that and, and seeing what is my, my true purpose. What am I very talented and how can I use my talent for to benefit the other? Doing yoga, taking time to really reflect on that sometimes actively within a practice, but most of the time 
just having it in the back of the head. And, and I'm talking now about the last couple of years where it was just, I wasn't really actively busy with, oh, I want a career change, but it was there in the back of my head. And somehow taking a little moment to sit, to meditate, to to be with my body, to be with myself, to to let go a little bit of all external influences of what I think I should do or how I think I should hold on to something or gave more space to that to grow and and clarified my purpose what is it that i really love to do what what is it that i do or what is it that i cannot help myself but do and then how can i how can i offer that for the other how can i how can i use that purpose and and put it in service of and then little by little it became clear that through yoga i can do that through teaching i can do that so then and and this is recently this is last winter i decided let's 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 focus more on that on on that which is already there let's spend more time doing that and to be honest i i don't regret it one bit <laughs> great that's a that's a good news yes. Because <laughs> that can and happen, huh? It's true, it's true. Sometimes we regret or sometimes we change <laughs> our mind another time. So I think we, we repeated that a couple of times during this podcast in the previous episode that yoga is not only a physical practice, even though it's for most of us, the way we enter into yoga, it's also a more introspective practice, a more spiritual practice for some. Do you think that that aspect of yoga helps you Today, as you're transitioning, Matt, you don't know exactly where you're heading to or you're trying to really find something. Gilles, you're more going towards yoga teaching or like teaching teaching yoga as a full-time job or, and trying to shape that also in that direction. Do you think the spiritual aspects of yoga also helps you? And probably then that's going to be more, um, Matt, maybe I'm going to start with you. Does that help you or does, does that influence you also in the way you want to redefine your life or the, the, the path you'd like to take for the future? Yes. So the first thing that happened to me when, when I started a concentration meditation practice, which again was in the context of uh, trying to deal with doing a job I didn't want to do anymore, it slowly didn't change my character, but it, it gave me the tools, the ability to be able to be a person that I admired more myself. So from being an always ironic stroke, sarcastic person who was quick to judge, quick to anger, easily outraged, I think I've become or am becoming someone who judges less I rely less on other people to prop up my um, self-esteem and I'm, I now truly find it rewarding to, um, to serve others, to do my Dharma. So not just to myself, but you know, my favorite phrase at the moment is um, doggy Dharma. So doggy Dharma <laughs> is very um, important in my life at the moment, but um, having a dog teaches me so much about yoga and myself and the human condition. So it's in those, it's in, it's in the refining of 
of how you behave and who you are that then that then changes everything else in life. And the things that I was worried about in terms of career, you know, how much do I earn in proportion to my husband? You know, am I paying my um, am I paying am I paying enough to the mortgage that if we were to get divorced, would I get half the house? You know, that kind. Of, now it's like I'm happy with what it with what is here in front of me. I don't know what the future is, and that would have scared the hell out of me mm. even two years ago. It mm. did scare the hell out of me two years ago. That's why I wouldn't leave my job. And now it's I can deal with it. I can let it be. I can go on that ride and and take the ups and the downs. It's a great connection with what Roby said in the in the podcast regarding the purpose of yoga, which was in his definition was the that yoga is just there to help us suffering the consequences of being ourselves anyway. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a nice example of, of that purpose, yeah. at least. Dancing with my demons, I call it. Yep. <laughs> I'd see that show. <laughs> as long as it wasn't 24 hours long. No. <laughs> Last question maybe regarding those those changes. And I think we can all relate to the idea that we, when we try to change, we have, and Matt, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, that at some point you had a fear of change, that you're like uh, uncertain or that you didn't know exactly if it was time. I mean, like we can always, we can all rely to that every time there is a change in our lives. I think we are a little bit scared. We yep. sometimes procrastinate. We talked a lot uh, about it also in previous episodes. We also tend to self-criticize or to, to, to self-doubt. Is there also tools that you found in yoga to to cope with that in a way whether it was before i was you as you were probably doubting during well during the period of time that you still had the job and were unhappy and as you said it helped you to to cope with it so i guess you found something in, in yoga in that and as you transitioned how did yoga help you more more um concretely can i make a diversion first i i there's one word i didn't mention previously and maybe i should to be totally honest and that security i'm making all these changes from a very secure position and other people might not be in the same position and i hope that if in the future i'm in a less secure position secure you know from a family point of view from a relationship point of view from a financial point of view i hope that the the things that i've learned over the last couple of years in my yoga practice will be as useful and and um, keep me as calm as in the as in the previous one now in terms of specific practices no for me what it was about was developing a sustainable yoga practice that wasn't just asana so now my my practice is asana pranayamas and um, concentration stroke meditation and then on top of that the thing that also helped me to become one-pointed and focused outside of, of, of that morning practice was reading, study. And I've had a really wonderful time in the last 18 months studying yoga, reading books, reading the sutras, reading the Bhagavad Gita, um, reading the history of yoga by Alastair Shearer. I could do a whole book list. That's the that's the one practice, if you like, that um, that has helped me. That I think that I think has made a difference this last time, and that is becoming more aware of what's happening to me by 
by studying the yogic scriptures, mm-hmm. um, by reading about other people's experiences, and really expanding my my mind and my consciousness and bringing new ideas and and occasionally on down days working out that you know I'm reaching samadhi in this life it's probably not going to happen on a regular basis and then working out okay but there are you know I can still do yoga and still have the practice because look at all of the you know I look back and say look at all the wonderful things that it's given me i i, I remember one very clear moment where i was enough stop this this has to, i felt like i was holding back holding back from teaching more yoga and performing less because I, I was holding on to a belief that I am a dancer, I'm a performer, I'm a, I have to do this. And, and the moment where I really felt like, okay, stop, why am I doing this is a moment that I came off stage completely bruised and battered and with a throbbing headache because I threw myself around like a madman for this particular scene where I had to throw myself around like a madman. And I, I went afterwards to talk to a programmer and, and she is kind of like in charge of whether we continue performing or not. Like, so it's, it's, uh, we're talking and, and, and she's very nice and, and honest. And I, I appreciate that, but she's just like, yeah, I, I, I understand the performance, but it just doesn't reach me. It doesn't touch me. And then I was, for me, my, my heart broke. There was that, that little, moment where where a very fragile heart just crumbled and i was just like in pain and wondering like why am i doing this what's the point and there and then i decided enough no more i there's no need for me to to break myself because i mean i'm talking about the physical pains that i was having but also yeah my my Mental suffering? Yeah, my mental suffering. I felt also my soul was like unsatisfied or just impotent lost, or, or lost or yeah. So I, I've, I felt like, okay, no more. There's, there's no. So that, that was for me a very clear moment where I was like, okay, phew, I had enough of this. And then I left to uh, Sri Lanka uh, to visit my brother who lives there. And I w- I stayed there for like two months, not dancing at all. I was teaching quite a bit. I, I ended up uh, meeting a lot of wonderful uh, yoga studios and, and places who were welcoming welcoming me with open arms. And and I realized like, okay, why am I fighting to to do something that in the end is not going to be sustainable? That is already yeah, but that is that is that is breaking me. So why not do something that is constructing me and not feeling as much as I need to fight for it, but it's actually just offered to me in a platter, like, please come and teach here. Please, (laughs) please move to Sri Lanka and stay here so you can be our teacher. I mean, I was like, why am I fighting to be a dancer if I could do this too? So it was a moment of of the hints. Also, Maria talked during her Dharma talk in a, Mm. or the talking about Dharma more. And a few episodes ago that we need to be or that there are moments in life that we have those hints of that, that, that yeah. the, the little stones that paves the way exactly and I, I, I had quite a few of those uh, i mean the one that i i mentioned was was one of them but i had quite a few of those and i just shifted 
from that point in Sri Lanka, I really made the conscious shift of like, okay, let's listen to those hints. Let's stop. Yeah, let's stop resisting that. Are you satisfied? Are you content where you are today, knowing that you will probably be in a different place in five, ten years? And do you somehow have, if not expectation, a vague idea of where you'd like to be in those five, ten years? Or um, or you have no idea and you let, uh, uh, you, you let yourself having a chance to discover the stones one after the other and that, that give, the, give space to flexibility? In studying yoga more i'm i'm reluctant to say i'm content or not content but i'm happy to say i'm more content and i find it easier just to be which i hope answers your question where am i going to be in <laughs> where am i going to be in 10 years time i'm going to be very close to retirement maggie smith <laughs> <laughs> and where i'll be geographically i'm going to either be in Brussels or in Luxembourg or constantly on the E311 between the two of them because I'm still going to hopefully be a trailing spouse. But I'm totally, I'm happy with that now. I can, I, I have more of an idea of who I am and who I am is less connected to what I do to make money. And it's been a long long lesson to learn but i do feel like now i understand it much better and having gone through those changes in a difficult way in the past i know that if i have to go through those changes again in the future i'll be able to do it more smoothly even more rationally as well as with more calm and centeredness because you know i'm not going to give up my practice which is as close to me and as dear to me as family and friends and love and friendship and and all those things that we all hopefully value and i would add to that that i think the practice also evolved throughout the time as much as we change we also change our practices so it's it's also the beauty of yoga that it has that flexibility that it can follow us through age but also through mental progression yeah. spiritual seeking or whatever you're going through. So that means I'm going to be, yeah, in 10 years' time, I'm going to be able to do handstand. Mm. Aged, If that's your goal. Aged almost 63. <laughs> with a wall? No, 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 no. I can do it with a wall now. Really? Yes. Wow, I'm impressed. Um, but this is a podcast, not a video, so. Of course. And do you give yourself the freedom to still be, be surprised in the future, or do you have any particular goal? that you'd like to to reach no I, i i think what matt said is very beautiful i i'm not content i'll never be fully content but i am more content with what i do now i i i never hope to be fully content also i i always hope to still have a little bit of a friction here and there so that i keep have keep having something to work on keeps have so i can keep having something to to grow towards and and this is what i really appreciate also about taking this path in yoga whereas before i felt a little bit i reached an end of something now having fully started to go down this path of yoga i feel like i'm right at the beginning there's so much so i mean the the, the already yoga in itself is is such a vast 
subject that, that I can I can devote the rest of my life to if I want to. I most likely won't because it's not my only love. <laughs> I, uh, I I also still want to be able to do other things like, you know, Qigong and, and, and I still want to do Pilates. I still want to do other things maybe that are not physical. I don't know yet what. Um, I'm, I'm completely open in... My interest still changing, but I, I like to be in a place of possibilities. Okay. And maybe do you have any last tip for if, if people that are listening feel maybe stuck, feel that they are, or that, that are in a place of, of fear of, of, of this place that Matt explained and this position that we feel discomfort. We don't, we don't necessarily know how to, how to start. Do you have Jill, any? tip any advices so how to have this epiphany have this look at the signs i i feel i wish i wish i i'd listened to the signs sooner than i did uh, and most likely if you are stuck if you are in a place where you feel like that it's making you really unhappy it's, you're actually in a really good place it doesn't feel at the time it doesn't i mean i felt really depressed When I was in that place, I felt really sad, heavy, depressed at the end of... But at the end of something means that it's only going to be the beginning of something else. And therefore, it's actually a really exciting time to be. It's, it's, um, there's this card in tarot, which is called the tower, which is like a burning tower. And it's, there's a, for me, it's, it's that. I mean, that card came out a lot when I had to change. I like to read tarot cards. And... It's it's a card that's really, I mean, it's 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 impending doom. You know, it means that your world is about to crumble down. But it's it's actually, even though it seems a terrible card to get, it seems a terrible situation to be at. Actually, it's a great situation because it's from there anything is again possible. You know, once that tower, when you take those own beliefs down of what you think should be, then anything is possible. And I think it's another metaphor of yoga. I think it's the, at the end, we end with Shavasana, which is dead body pose. Mm. We, we die to reborn after. So I think it's a, exactly. it's a nice way. It's a how to, to follow the path to, to die, to reinvent ourselves after that. Matt, any, any advice, tips for um, people stuck? If you don't have a personal practice, think about how you might begin one. That's my fervent testimony it makes the world of difference and if you do have a personal practice um, think about how you might develop it to to keep it relevant to where you are and who you are and to keep you interested and to help you continue to keep an open mind and be open to the wonderful possibilities that are definitely coming your way thank you both for coming for that episode today for joining us thank I'm you going to take away today that the goal is to be more content and not to be content fully because then maybe we're dead <laughs> thank you both any book suggestion because matt loves books so the book that really helped me through this change was uh, how to break the habit of being yourself by dr joe dispenza my favorite <laughs> yoga book at the moment is Raja Yoga by Swami Vivekananda. Thank you both for joining us today. So thank you, Matt. Thank you. 
Thank you, Gilles. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Matt. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Gilles. And we hope to get in touch with all of you very soon for the next episode about harmony. Bye.